0: Hello and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work, work. My name is Lincoln and today I'm joined by Sally Woolford, who's a business director at MOI. This week the ABS personal safety data came out and we heard that 5 million women and 2.2 million men have experienced sexual harassment at least once in their lifetime. This follows on from the Respect at Work report by the Australian Human Rights Commission that highlighted that 33% of people who'd been in the workforce in the past five years had experienced workplace sexual harassment. Now, we've seen a variety of reports over the past year or two in this space, including the Respect at Work report, the Independent Review into Commonwealth Parliamentary Workplaces, and the Disrupting the System report from the Champions of Change Coalition. So today, Sally wanted to join us on the podcast to chat a little bit about some of the key things that have been raised in these reports and talk about what we can do to make workplaces safer for everyone. Sally, thank you for joining us.
1: Absolute pleasure, Lincoln. It's a really, really important topic that we really need to talk about and we need to keep talking about. So whenever someone releases a report or something, that's great, but we need to keep the conversation going. This type of behavior occurs in every workplace. And if you are listening to the podcast and think, oh, it doesn't happen here, then really, really sorry, but need to break the news that it probably is happening. You might not realize it's happening unless you're that one experiencing it or you're involved in some of those processes. What we want to try to do is actually see that there are less uh, occurrences of it. And then what you want to see is a really good systems in place to actually support people so that they're safe and they're in a respectful workplace. When we we actually talk about inappropriate behavior, we talk about zero tolerance. So if something's inappropriate, we're going to do something about it. So it's a very clear, proactive approach to responding to inappropriate behaviors. We need to draw a line in the sand and saying enough is enough. Here's the culture, here's the expectations that we have for behavior. And we want that written out. And here's what we expect for you. You know, there's a mutual accountability that we can create these processes and policies, but actually everybody's accountable for being kind and and looking after each other in our workplaces.
0: When it comes to zero tolerance, you talk about being proactive, being front footed. What's the importance of early intervention with certain behaviours? And what are the processes that need to change in order to feel like everyone can respond quickly and proactively?
1: So when we talk about some of the things now that the themes that came out of those reports, so to speak, it is really clear that some of our processes need to change. Frequently, organisations will only have internal methods of reporting. And what we now need to see is actually multiple safe ways to report. So particularly if you've got a hierarchical organisation where people are behaving inappropriately and you're saying the report has to go through that person, That person is not going to report. The person experiencing the behavior is just not going to report it. It's really as simple as that. So in essence, you're stifling those reports. Um, So it's sort of multiple ways to report things like a speak up hotline, um, making sure that there's alternative ways, not just through sort of a chain or a process. And it's also about making sure it works seamlessly together. So all your ways of reporting need to work really well together. And they've got to be clear, transparent and accessible by all. One of the other key things in amongst that process is having two-way communication. So it is so important that when someone makes a complaint that they're kept updated about what's going on. And so what we're talking about when we talk about two-way communication, it's not necessarily giving them a whole details about the whole investigation and who said what and what happened, but it's about keeping them in touch with the process, in touch with supports along that process and making sure... That they've got offers of support throughout that whole entire thing and support is a really really important topic so it's about support for the complainant and the respondent and it's so important to provide support for all of the parties involved and that's also witnesses and things like that that are involved in that as well often somebody might be angry when they initially put a complaint in and and sort of say I don't want I don't want support I don't need support but actually as the process unfolds, they may actually need that support. So that repeated regular officer support is really, really important. Another key thing in amongst it all and all of this is confidentiality. I kind of see it as the good old gossip speculation thing. You see it in the workplaces. There's uh, whispers and murmurs, and quite often, if you, you hear those whispers and murmurs, it's not actually got any factual correctness from the actual event that people are talking about. And it's just elaborated and got, got more and more elaborate as it's gone on. And that reality of what the incidents actually is so far different to those office whispers. So it's really important that the whole process can be managed confidentially, particularly when there's an investigation because the whole point of an investigation is to establish facts of what's happened to enable someone to make a decision. So if we get people that are actually elaborating or or making things up or speculating, it can actually take down an entire process. And you really want to be avoiding that. It's not about stifling a victim's voice. It is about protecting the privacy of people that are involved in that. And it's about ensuring that with that confidentiality you get an increase of confidence in the processes so that more people feel comfortable to come forward as well.
0: I want to ask you Sally about a term that's being used increasingly which is trauma-informed. What does that mean and how do we implement that?
1: So when we talk about trauma-informed it's about the impact on a person and it's, it's about supporting them to feel safe in that system and not re-traumatizing them. So if they've experienced inappropriate behavior over a period of time, it's really, really can be quite traumatic for people. And what you don't want to do is create a process or a system where they have to relive their memories and their experiences of it again and again and again. So in some instances, uh, I've seen where people have a process and you, you put your complaint in, And then no one actually reads that complaint. And then you have to talk to another person with the complaint. And then it goes to the next stage and you have to talk to the next person with the complaint. So what you're trying to do is actually use that first story or that experience that they're telling you. So they don't have to keep telling you again and again, because when we keep reliving trauma, it has a huge impact on our physical, emotional and psychological well-being. Super, super important piece in amongst
0: that. Another question I have is around risk factors. What are some of the things that we need to look out for? And if we can mitigate some of those factors, get ahead of this agenda and and make the workplace safer for people? Particularly
1: one of the factors is that reluctance to challenge unacceptable behaviour of high value staff. So it's one of those things that if the person is seen as like they're really valued and they're really important to the overall business, we ignore some of the behaviours that they're doing. Um, and that's a real problem. There are some key factors such as less diverse workforces. When you're dominated by one gender or an age group or a race or a, or a particular culture, it is a risk factor for inappropriate behaviour. So we always talk about it in the sense of the more inclusive you are, the better you've got a chance of actually supporting safety for employees and making sure that it's actually a very inclusive and supportive environment linked in with that as well as that power imbalance so workplaces where there is a power imbalance where one group for example have more decision-making positions or things like that that's where you see that power disparity and that's where you're more likely to actually get sort of uh, inappropriate behaviors or have more risk of them um, alcohol in a work context overnight travel for example or when you're at conferences or social events we're going up to Christmas so everybody's having a Christmas party uh, there's more chance of uh, things happening and inappropriate behavior happening at those Christmas parties we're getting better overall um, but the, the risk is actually there when we talk about personal risk factors for example um, the research tells us that you're more at risk of being bullied if you're younger minority groups um, if you're a casual or new worker, like I said, and also if you're a volunteer. When we talk about sexual harassment and if you're more at risk, this is, again, where diversity really plays out. Um, you're more at risk of sexual harassment if you're a woman, if you're a younger worker, and we sort of say under 30 as young. Um, I'm no longer in that category, which is such a shame. Um, LGBTIQ+, uh, if you're an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person, if you're someone living with a disability, if you're culturally, linguistically diverse, or if you're a migrant or on a temporary visa. And the migrant temporary visa one is particularly relevant um, in the service industry, um, because if you're on a temporary visa, quite often you need to be with a certain employer for a period of time to get your your permanent visas. Um, And so there is a reluctance to actually report things.
0: So obviously that's a great place to start. And knowing those risk factors helps to get the context, but what exactly is our role? Do we need to be an expert in this? Beyond knowing, what can we do to make a workplace better for people?
1: Quite often people place an expectation on themselves that they know exactly what needs to be done and an, an expert in this space. And I would say that you can't actually be an expert in this space if you're, you know, a regular manager and things like that. It's important you know what you can do, important you know the processes, but Equally, as important to know when you need to escalate something or when you need to seek extra guidance or support from HR or people and culture teams. So probably the most practical thing and example I can say is if, um, if someone came to you and they said, oh, I'm experiencing something inappropriate, I would ask listeners to think about how you personally would respond to that. For me, there's a couple of things that are really clear, simple things that you can do straight up really acknowledge and demonstrate empathy to the person um it is so important that you let them know that you believe them and you acknowledge the courage it's taken for them to speak with you and that it's okay to be upset about this and it's okay to have an emotional response and when we talk about an emotional response it might be that they're upset and crying or it could be that they're angry or you know they might have they might have um inappropriate humor as well it can sometimes be one of those emotional responses and that's okay It's also um, important that as the recipient of their story, not to retell the story back to them or use phrases such as, oh, yeah, that's like a time that I experienced X, Y and Z. This is their story and it's important that you enable them to tell the story in their words, in their way, in their time. And it's also making sure that you give ample space and time for them to talk to you. All too often we're flitting and going between meetings and things like this, and it's actually super important to give good amount of time and space to hear what, what's happening. Key thing is to support their safety, check that they're safe. If they're still in the workplace, still with the people that are uh, perpetrating the behaviour, if there's a safety factor that's about a criminal thing that's happened, then you absolutely need to escalate it straight away, but you need to get encouraged and give wraparound supports to the person straight out. know this might be an employee assistance program or some other form of support but just making sure that they've got support around them and that they're not alone. it's also about being really clear about your role what you can do and what you can't do so for example um, particularly when it comes to confidentiality if there's a safety risk it can mean that you need to breach that confidentiality to to provide support and make sure the broader team or someone else is safe as well. So um, it's being really clear and explicit in what you can do, what you can't do, that's really super important. And you can't be the expert in everything. So don't assume that you're going to be able to handle it in every single circumstance because that's just not reality. So take the support yourself if you're the person that's actually receiving
0: it as well. For any leaders listening, I imagine that it's a priority to understand what's going on in the workplace to get a sense of how things have been how they are and in the future how they've hopefully improved how do we measure workplace culture
1: previously what we've seen is people monitoring financial performance but now what we're starting to see is people actually monitoring culture performance and some of the changes that will be coming in are that there's extra responsibility as a director of a board for you to actually be in this space. So the, the obligations are coming, it's going to happen. So it's important to get your heads up quite quickly and get moving in this space. So for a board or a, an exec team wanting to truly understand what's, what's happening, what's going on, questions you have gotta be answering are, what reports do we get of inappropriate behavior? How many, what are they, what are the patterns? What are those trends and, and what is the nature and type of those behavior? Um, and then it's actually looking at data alongside the financial data and, and getting a full picture about performance. What is actually happening here and can we improve? We are particularly seeing a lot of uh, number of investors that are looking at culture as a measure at which they assess future companies for investment. We're really starting to see a positive way about how people are capturing, looking at and using culture performance as a measure of overall financial and organisational performance as well.
0: And obviously, that's key to the work that Moa does in terms of the culture dashboard and the consultancy work that you and the team lead, which is about getting data on what has for a long time been mysterious or just difficult for people to access. And Moa has developed a way to make sense of that for people in a really clear way.
1: Whenever we we go in and do a culture review, for example, in any organisation or business, we always get an example of their employee surveys. And the employee surveys are lovely and everything, but it's an engagement survey. And you can have the most highly engaged people in the world, but actually the culture can be very, very different. So when we actually look at culture and we use the culture dashboard, we actually look a whole range of factors about diversity identity, not necessarily the tick the box you know, I'm a female, I, I, I'm LGBTIQ, et cetera, but it's actually about what parts of my identity are more important, um, and that gives a whole different picture to that piece. When we also talk about um, belonging and psychological safety when you're in a psychologically safe workplace, you can speak up, you can put new ideas on the table. And these are all really, really positive things that can only help an organization have a better business. And when when we also look at um, social networks, so who are those quiet achievers? Who are the people that people go to in any organization? And you can start to see the patterns of what's actually happening within the organization and like I said when we talk about inappropriate behavior you can't just talk about inappropriate behavior you have to talk about the culture in which people are working and the environment in which they're working because unless you can truly understand that and you can tell the story of your culture and understand it then you can't actually really fully address some of those inappropriate things so it's really important to have that baseline knowledge and understanding of who's here how are they experiencing our workplace and then building upon that and the dashboard is an absolute ideal way that we can actually use that to to tell the story back to the business about here's actually what's happening
0: Sally to finish the podcast today what are some key things that we can all consider over the Christmas break over this time of reflection to support our organisation in the new year and to set it up right?
1: I think there's probably two real key things that you need to do. I'm going to say dust off your policies and processes and have a really long, hard look at them. And if you can, get somebody who's experienced the process to be involved in giving you feedback, what worked, what didn't work. The lived experience is very, very different to the one that's on the paper quite often. So take a good long hard look at your policies and processes the second one I'd say is understand your culture and what are the standards of behavior that you expect in this space what is it you expect is it clear have you been communicating about that and is it embedded in your culture and in your everyday work in your business so do the behaviors for example that your leaders or your your executive show do they support positive safe inclusive cultures and are they accessible? And are they actually people that can uh, receive and, and, and take a complaint and not actually react badly? But the one thing that I would probably say amongst all of this is that it is so important in this space that we have that diverse, inclusive environment and respectful behaviour that all intertwined together with your culture overall.
0: I can't help but think of one thing that Moa uses to frame this, which is It's all very well to know it, but we have to show it. And then it's all very well to show it, but we have to grow it, that there is always room to improve, that there is always a conversation that we haven't had before we can learn from and help each other out.
1: Absolutely. We're all learning continuously and that's so, so important. And don't be scared to grow.
0: Sally, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Lincoln.
0: And thank you to everyone for listening. We look forward to next time.